this episode, the communicator was inspired by the writer Andre Bormanis, who, when a accused or told of this episode is very similar to 2S as a piece of the action where Kirk and crew find a civilization that's been affected by a communicator being left behind or McCoy leaves his communicator behind said no uh, I wasn't thinking about that I just lost my phone and I thought that that would make a good Star Trek episode Um, I don't know about you I have I've never lost my phone for an extended period of time but the reason I lose my phone is because I don't put my phone on ring I'm one of those people. Like, I can't mm. stand have my phone on Ring. So, Does anybody? Do, are, are ringtones still a thing for anyone who's not like a, a Zoom, a, a Generation Z point? Zoomer or whatever? Yeah I, yeah, I think it might just be Zoomers and um, kids who ride the uh, the subway who use their phone like a boombox and like listen to music out of it instead of using their headphones like a normal goddamn person. But I am um, yeah. the only reason I lose my phone is because I can't stand to have. Uh, my phone ring. I have like a cell phone paranoia about it. Like I don't like it when it rings. I, I always assume that bad. It's never bad news, but I'm always like, who is who is calling me? What's happened? Why are they not texting me like a normal person? Um, but that's about it. I've never lost my phone to any significant degree. Never had to use like Apple Find My iPhone locator or mm-hmm. anything like that. Never tracked a spouse with it or anything like that. So um, I don't know about you. Have you ever lost your phone for a long time? Um. <clears throat> not not to really that degree my my girlfriend does it constantly though and it's uh i believe it's a it's a symptom of not having uh pants with good pockets because mm-hmm. i don't know if you knew this but women's pants don't have good pockets in them that's right that's and she doesn't carry a pocketbook or anything so she has a tendency she doesn't do it so much anymore but it used to be like we would go somewhere and then she would immediately put her phone down somewhere which to her would seem like okay this is a weird place to put my phone so i'm going to remember that it's there but then she doesn't so it's like where's my phone oh it's behind the tv in this person's house (laughs) um and uh so i i it's become a joke that i have a i have a weird sixth sense about where her phone is uh when every time that she loses because i'm usually the one who finds it because i I see. I've I've clocked it into my brain. When I see her put it down, I remember where she put it. It's always the last place you look, as the saying goes. That's where it is. Mm. Let's talk about the uh, the communicator. <laughs> it's the next Enterprise episode that we'll be covering. Was the it- was the other half of this episode in- inspired by the time Brandon Braga fell asleep on his hand or something? <laughs> it might be. We'll have, to, we'll have to think during the break. I'll think. I'll think of how uh, how that might actually have come to fruition. We'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. I will be back, and we'll break down the communicator. As interesting as that was, it's always good to get home. The speaker at the political rally. What was his name? Chancellor Coltre. Coltare. <laughs> you could write a book about him alone. His speech reminded me of Winston Churchill. Before the Second World War. Something wrong? Malcolm? My communicator. What about her? It's gone. All right, so The Communicator is the eighth episode of the second season. It aired on November 13th, 2002. Teleplay goes to Andre Bormanis, who I mentioned before. Story credit goes to Rick Berman and Brennan Braga, who can't resist getting a story credit if they're not going to write the goddamn script. Directed by James Contner in Universe Date is Unknown, but it's 2152. 
In this episode, during an investigation of a pre-warp alien planet, Reed accidentally leaves his communicator behind. When he returns with Archer to get the piece of technology, they're captured by soldiers who accuse them of being enemy spies. This episode, to me, is 10 years from now, if you asked me to describe an Enterprise episode, I would combine seven different Enterprise episodes into this one, (laughs) and I would probably... I would probably be confused or I would be describing the communicator. If I'm like, they get captured by aliens. They're like, are you talking about the one in the first season where they get captured by militaristic aliens? They're like, no, there's another one. Is it the one where Reed is a whiny bitch who wants to be punished? No, that's not minefield. This is communicator episode. This one um, felt a little redundant. Uh, I don't know if this was a good episode. It was maybe semi-competent at that, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's going to be another one of these episodes where it's like I just Enterprise feels like it just has an idea and it never grabs onto it effectively and it always ends up just going like okay just before I throw it to yeah. you it's like is this the Enterprise episode with a sort of half baked action sequence at the end of it and you go yep <laughs> that's that's one of these episodes it's got that what did you think about the communicator um. I didn't realize that there were there were uh, there was a TOS episode that was similar to this because I thought the setup was great. I really liked the idea of they went down to this planet and they accidentally left a piece of their technology behind. Um, but as I was watching the rest of the episode, I couldn't help but think, "What really is the worst that would have happened if they had just left it there?" Yeah, because this is. It, it clearly snowballs in the direction that they didn't want it to go initially, which is why they go down to get the communicator. And th- thank God, like the saving grace of this episode, if there is one, is at the end where T'Pol is like, you know, uh, this ended up being a lot worse than if you had just left the communicator <laughs> there. And he's like, yeah, I know this got out of hand very quickly and we probably did a lot more damage sh- than if we had just left. Shouldn't have lied. I shouldn't have lied about being yeah. a part of the Alliance uh, with those yeah. guys. That was a bad idea to Paul. I apologize for lying and making yeah. things worse. And like, I, I feel like I, I want to call that a step in the right direction. Cause I feel I, I, I was not expecting them to, to recognize that at all. Um, so the fact that they did recognize that they really fucked up, was was refreshing however yeah it's so much of stuff that they've done before and it is just well except for the disappearing hand thing but like that that i didn't understand because that didn't play into the story it was just like a fun thing that they did it's pure filler Um, i was you know, I hadn't seen this one, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, how is his hand going to play? Like, are they going to totally cloak him, and he sneaks into the prison, and you know, as an invisible man, and sort of rescues Archer and everything? But no, he just mm-hmm. he gets an invisible hand. Uh, Travis Mayweather makes a invisible jerking off joke, I think, or something. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to eat the that popcorn. Was, that was weird. You're going to eat the popcorn. It's like, okay, is he going to grope his date? I didn't understand what was going on with the invisible hand in that situation. Yeah, I don't know. That was uncomfortable. Um, it's a pointless subplot. Yeah, it's it's totally it's totally filler. They came in four minutes short, and they needed something to do mm-hmm. at that point. Well, it's weird because I thought that I, I was thinking I'm surprised that wasn't its own episode because yeah. that that feels like yeah that feels like something that would happen as a catalyst to a story is like. Uh, you know, he he gets blasted with the cloaking device and his arm disappears and then it starts like creeping over the rest of his body or something. I don't know. Weird, co- um, weird continuity with the Suleban ship, too, that they yeah. I, that 
apparently they've had it they since just have it? they've had it since Broken Bow, I guess. Yeah. Um I I was thinking they got Oh it. wait, no. Is it Broken Bow or I, I thought it was didn't they it's say not from Shockwave. The, it's not from Shockwave where they're piloting it, apparently. I looked on Memory Elf. It's apparently from Broken Bow, oh. which is interesting. Okay. I don't remember that at all, but that's I guess where it came from. But they've um they've never dealt with it until now, which is, you know, it's fine as a writer's choice, but it's just <laughs> strange that it's been sitting there and yeah. It is doing a little bit of damage if you're a continuity nerd about how much cloaking interaction they have with. Like they're not they're not unfamiliar with cloaking mm. technology by the time that it rolls around the TOS. So it's it's just it's a I guess it makes like I could see an easier way to get them down there um in a subterfuge manner than this cloaked ship. And if you're not gonna yeah. have the cloaking thing turn trip invisible as part of your plot, I don't really it seems like an un- unnecessary thing to bring the ship into it that they've been toting around for a while, apparently. Yeah. And on top of that, it's like there's a the, the <laughs> have they been to a planet that isn't in the middle of like some sort of civil war yet? No, because it feels like every place they go to, the people they run into are are dealing with some sort of conflict, which is, I don't know, vague, uh, vague conflict. To... The, the alliance, yeah, is, the alliance if... is doing something somewhere. I would I would say they were trying to make a point by that if it wasn't so uh if it like it doesn't really ever matter it's just a, a story device that they just keep using over and over Same again. with Dean Whether Stockwell Dean, I think Dean Stockwell's group had a similarly vague yeah. pointless description about what yeah. they were No or uh the fucking Kurgan in the desert was the same thing yeah. wasn't it he's yeah. like fighting oh we're the, our enemy that you haven't seen and will never see Yeah right know? yeah um and, and and on top of the, all that, I was the whole time I was thinking if there was ever an excuse to use the teleporter or the transporter, you'd think this would be it. I would do it just to um, even if it breaks the communicator, just beam the communicator out of there. And if it breaks, whatever sure. you got it out of there. And it, yeah, but I, so go ahead. All all together, I yeah, it just it's it's a good i it's a good concept. That is just, I don't know. I, I I wasn't really I wasn't really feeling it. No, it's, I don't think it's a good episode. But it's um. So for for reference, the t- also like let's sorry, just for a second, let's say let's say they just left and left the communicator there. What are the, what are they really going to get from this thing? Because it's not going to communicate to anything, right? There's, like there's the, nothing it's, else. Yeah. It's just a yeah. It's just a piece of machinery. Then they probably can't figure out what it is. They throw it away. It would be like, like those crystal skulls on Earth that they're like, no man right. could have made this yeah. three thousand years ago. And you go, that's a peculiar thing. I wonder what it actually is. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. It's a. It's it's a. It's a nice idea, but unless unless you can link to a direct. Uh, <laughs> unless you can link to a direct way in which leaving this thing here is actively going to uh, subvert the natural um, evolution of this people, going down and claiming you're genetically altered superhumans fighting for the alliance that's currently trying to destroy you, also we have invisible ships, yep. is doing a lot more damage. Yeah. The um, So just for reference, the peace of mind or not peace of mind, piece of the action episode that this is kind of referencing is a TOS episode where Kirk and <clears throat> Spock and everybody find a planet where apparently a previous ship had visited and left. I think they leave a book behind. And 
Mm-hmm. The book that gets left behind serves as the foundation for the civilization that evolves on this planet. Sure. And it's That's, a Yeah, that works. And but it's a comedy. It's a straight comedy episode because the book that they do is like a really bad gangster novel. So Oh, the, that's that it's one. It's the okay. alien one. So yes. the aliens on the planet all talk like Chicago mobsters. We're like, got these heaters, see? And they, they've all got Tommy guns and stuff like that. And it's kind you of know, cute. It's a cute comedy. It's funny. And it's kind of lighthearted. And it has Shatner running around going, I got these heaters and stuff like that. And then the punchline is after they save the day and they get out of there, uh, Bones, I think, at the end, like pats himself down and is like, oh, shit. Like, I left my communicator <laughs> down there. And that's that's kind of the end of it. And this one... This is Enterprise taking that idea and playing it deadly serious, but not interestingly serious. It's just, yeah, it's another brown planet with white people in yep. sand. Yep. And it's just, everything is so similar. Everything is so head bumps, identical. Head bumps and military uniforms. Which they keep calling surgical alterations, but there's no, he just glued some shit onto their heads. Yeah. There's nothing surgical about this <laughs> whatsoever. Their their head their head bumps are are literally as complicated as the ones that they're wearing in real life while filming the show. Yeah, and it's so much more effective when the guy just the other alien goes, "They're blood. It's red. It's it's not cheesy, mm. and it's like it's just a much better way to explain that this is an alien. Like, what's wrong with this guy? And instead of just having them peel the, you know, like a paper mache forehead off of their head and then be like, "What the hell is this guy? He's been surgically altered." Yeah, you know, I uh, I. I, I have never seen that TOS episode, but I knew of the, the gangster one. And I have, every time I see a, a, a still from it, I'm like, how the hell do they explain Tarantino this? wanted to remake that. That was his idea, apparently. Was he that was part of, yeah, yeah, I he heard that was part of the, of the, uh, the thing. But yeah. that, that's how they get but around yeah. it. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a comedy, though. It's a straight comedy yeah. episode. Man, talk about, you know, the, the original series had a skill for figuring out how to, work the limitations of what they they could do production into the show yeah yeah production wise so it's like ah shit we get all this gangster stuff but we're in a, we're doing a sci-fi show how can we use this gangster stuff they figure it out whereas this one it's like everything is so samey there's no i i don't feel like there's any inspiration or innovation when it comes to these uh people that they're going down to see or these civilizations they're all the same yeah like if you, if I, God, I would love it on the show if if the next episode was like up, oh, they went to a planet full of Shakespeare people, yeah, J- just just to mix it up or something, you know? It's every, it's all, like you said, white guys with head bumps and military. Uh, they're vague, va- they're vaguely always military, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for um, like they never they never make a comment on it. Like they're going to this this planet. That's the that's the one thing that's weird about this one is they they come back at the beginning and they're like, ah, oh, man. Don't you just love heading down and taking a few days to check out a new civilization, uh, keeping things under wraps? And then when they go back, it's like they're going down to like uh, Russia in the 1950s or something. Well, it's they, like, they, make, they make a reference at the start. Arch is like, eh, it seems like a nice place. There's a little bit of propaganda all over. There's propaganda all <laughs> over the walls, but I, I assume everything is on the up and up. So they're not they're not particularly tentative about this planet. And then I didn't see any homeless sir. Or black people, I guess they <laughs> they must just not have them. I can't imagine that they do anything horrible to them or anything. They don't seem like that's kind of society. It's a great golf course of a planet. Just no Jews, no blacks. Yeah. It's just the perfect place <laughs> where I can I can just hit a whack a ball. Um, yeah, and so Archer knows about it's. I, I really think that the 
like it's so repetitive that I really don't know if they understand the damage that they're doing to Archer as a character or whether the show thinks yeah. this guy is completely out of his league. Like he has no idea what the hell is going on because this is yet another episode of Archer learns the lesson. But his decision to go down to this planet and his lie instead of being like, yeah, we're aliens, man. Like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you know, we're actually a secret plot to kill you that your enemies are planning to yeah. do. So you should you should deal with that. And Well, the best part of that is when he gives them like the little piece of it and then Reed just yes ands him and <laughs> off into the sun. And then at the next scene when they're like, they've been, uh, they're going to be executed. Reed's like, I'm sorry, sir. I've just never been that much of an improviser and I took it a little bit too far. Like, yeah, it's a, just a bit. It's a terrible lie. It's a terrible Archer decision. Just, you, you can either say nothing, you can tell the truth. And then when you tell them the truth, they'll probably go, all right, so you're really spies, right? And this is just kind of some kind of story. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm actually an alien or whatever. But I think there's, there's a whole lot of problem with the setup here because I think that the, um, the development of the planet that they're interfering with is actually pretty important. So like the, the context of where they stand is important. When, you start, when it starts, they seem like they're standard Star Trek aliens. They have like kind of futuristic mm-hmm. guns and they... Their jet fighters look like kind of UFO jet fight. Like there's an advancement yeah, to them. Yeah. But then in the jail cell, are just like these people haven't even split the atom yet. It's like really they right. they don't seem yeah. that primitive. Is this supposed to be? Are they supposed to be modeling them after 1940s Germany or something? Because that doesn't really come across either. They they're vaguely blandly militaristic looking, but they're not they're, they're not designed as a like fascist state. At least that wasn't the impression that I was getting. And Archer comes back from. The whole thing saying what a great town that was to visit. So he's clearly not, that's not the ethos of the planets or anything like that. It's just a, I don't know, it's not It's not connected. They don't, they don't make these connections that I think are important to set up what's going, what's going on with them. Yeah. Um, I think this episode would be a lot more, because the, uh, the, I, the, I left the thing there. We got to go get the thing. Okay, we got the thing is, is not super interesting uh this concept to me would be a lot more interesting if everything that happens in this episode happened in the first half and so the second half of the episode becomes them having to figure out how to clean up this mess that they've made even worse yeah like the communicator thing is fine but like if they went down if the first half was them going down getting the communicator and in the process doing all this stuff that is going to then damage the culture even further in a way that they weren't expecting then having the rest of the or maybe the last third of the episode become do we do something to fix this are we in the wrong what have we done is there a way we can do this do we just go down and tell them i think becomes a little bit more interesting than just your standard you know uh smash and grab rescue plot with a, an invisible arm right because it starts off with that which is that the the attempt to go back for the communicator is kind of like chasing losses and gambling or something it's like yeah. we'll, we'll try to fix this and they go back and it makes it a, a worse situation also, the fact that they were armed the whole time, like if 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 they if if they felt that they were being surrounded, I would have been like, okay, let's get our let's get our phasers and just blast everybody, mm-hmm. grab the thing and get the hell out of here. They won't even know what happened, but they won't even have time to realize what happened by the time we're already gone. And instead, they let themselves get caught and then improv their way into being executed. Yeah, 
I mean, Archer wanted to do the table as an umbrella in that guy's face, so he picks up the table. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Could you imagine if you were getting ready for a bar fight and you're like, okay, let's go. And you go like this and your buddy immediately like leans down to pick up a table. <laughs> like, what's what was his plan? <laughs> he recognized danger when he saw it. A very obviously mm-hmm. uh obviously Tarantino got inspiration for his uh, bar scene in Inglorious Bastards from this this incredibly tense sure. bar scene that was going Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, how they knew that they were aliens cuz they ordered drinks like this that's instead right. of like this. He, he, Archer has to go out speaking the uh, the king's English. Um yes. Yeah, I I think the uh, the the it's just another in a long line of enterprise episodes where there's one good scene here. It's the one I, I like the scene where Archer and Reed are in the prison cell the night before their mm-hmm. execution, and they're talking about it. They're somber, but it's like appropriately, um, it's appropriately toned. I think even the joke about like he's like, "I'm sorry, Reed, you'll never get to write that report or whatever." It's like, there's a little bit of humor stuck into it, but it's at least that's the moment of Archer reflecting on something because I would almost disagree with you about the ending where um, I almost think that Archer doesn't get it at the end, really. Like, T'Pol mm. has to tell him, but it's not... These these last five-minute wrap-ups where T'Pol says something and Archer just looks out the window. He looks out the window in a lot of the end of the episodes, <laughs> just gazing out, which is another sure sort does. of similarity thing. But I don't... You need more scenes. Like Trip's storyline is eating up scenes where Archer and Reed talk about this to me. That like that's the the damage that it does is that that side plot does is because you need more time with Archer thinking about what the ramifications are or even like um pontificating on what he thinks this development means for this planet or something because we don't get any insight to it and Archer's decision it just doesn't seem like he's thought about it. He he seems so clueless right. about everything, and it's really frustrating because he constantly hits these storylines, and it's just resolved by, you know, it's the the show is so built to action sequences that they have a huge gunfight with aliens, and Arch is like, well, at least we got the communicator back. It's like, what the what are right. you talking about? Right. You did you did all this like they saw you fly off an invisible ship, and you you got into you jumped into an invisible ship flew off with a woman with pointy ears and stuff like that it's like you you've mm. you haven't done anything jonathan and i don't know why tapal has to tell you that yeah um every time they do this it makes him look dumber and dumber and like worse uh, or less equipped to be a captain cuz like this is this is like the <clears throat> excuse me this is like the third or fourth prime directive episode that they've done and they're all more or less the same where at the end he's like, I had no idea that this was this important, and I may have, been. you know, it's the same kind of lesson he learns every time. Yeah, <clears throat> we can have impacts on things that are beyond, yeah. beyond what we should do. And and every time it happens, it's like he doesn't learn anything for the next one. Like it's not like it's not like he the way he handles things this time is any different because of what they did the last time it happened. Yeah, and so to Paul, and it's always to Paul that ends up reprimanding him about it afterwards and it's like how many times it makes him look like a child yeah how many times can you how many times can you punish him for doing the same thing yeah no i know it's 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 a problem of enterprises non-serialization right like i like sorry i was just saying like does this is this episode better if it's reed and trip instead of reed and archer and at least in that case you've got archer up on the ship who understands the gravity of what's happening yeah 
and has inter- has dealt with this before. So when they get them back and, and Reed and Tripp are kind of like, uh, you know, chuckle hut over here about what they just did. It's like, you don't understand what you've done. Mm-hmm. You've, you've drastically altered this society's evolution, not because of what you left behind, but what you actively did trying to fix it. You know, that I feel like that would be a lot more impactful than just having Archer be a fuck up again. Yeah, I, I think that non-serialization ties in because I do, I think that they're trying to build this thing that the, the prime directive is basically a Vulcan understanding of what to do because mm-hmm. it's always to Paul who brings it up. And I think that I could see a way that this series goes where the prime directive is not really, it's not something that the humans of the ship think about. They're They're kind of excited to go out and meet people and so they frequently don't understand the importance of why something like that should be important to them in their performance of it. It would still serialize wise. It would draw a problem as to like how many times are these guys going to repeat the same fucking problem that they're going to run into. But mm. I, at least to me, that would give Archer his point of view. I would sort of understand his point of view, which is that as a human who's not familiar with this kind of thing, he just keeps thinking that everyone out there is going to be uh, impressed to meet them in some way. Like it's like, oh, it's you know, it's what could go wrong meeting people, and. um they don't do that. He he kind of understands it, but he doesn't seem to really understand it to the point where he doesn't have a, a problem with just going back for the communicator. If Archer mm. if Archer had a problem with this, he should be like, we need to come up with some pitch-perfect plan to go down there. You tell me exactly where that communicator is, and we'll go down and we'll find it, and we'll mm-hmm. move on from there. But he's just like, yeah, we'll, we'll go down again. We'll hang out. We'll go to get a drink. We'll eat some of that food that that guy has, and then we'll get arrested. Yeah, and they also they also go down to find it, and and they the the first attempt is like they're looking for their keys, and so they go back to the 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 booth they were sitting in, and they're like, well, it's not in the booth, and only after that point does Reed go, oh, you know what? I got this thing I can actually track it with that I can pull out. Yeah. We can look at that. It's like, well, why didn't why wasn't that the first thing you did instead of blindly feeling your way or suspiciously feeling your way around a bar stool that you would just add. Is that guy giving that ago. other guy a blow job in the back, back seat? What's he doing under there? I know it's, it's, um, it's just, we, and it, it's, it's another scene of Reed really is a masochist, right? Like he's just like, mm. captain, I need punishment. I've been bad. And he's like, what are you going to do to punish me? And it's just like, what the, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Just, <laughs> although I also don't like, archers everyone makes mistakes what are you talking about like this is you, this mm. is the one thing you're not supposed to do down there is impact this planet and he did it and you're just like yeah don't worry about it we'll just go down and, and grab it it's it's really cartoonish and i think that the, the reason we keep talking about it is that the show doesn't seem to understand how bad that is for them the show yeah. is just like the show thinks that doing these stories with archer as kind of an aw shucks personality is effective for him and it's just he's mm. missing he's missing something like desperately missing something as a character for these stories do you think that the story improves if they did play it as a comedy because i mean they are playing it so straight that it's 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 hard to ignore the hole that they keep digging themselves into like in a real negative sense but if you play this as a comedy you know the fight scene in the bar becomes a little bit easier to swallow the scene where reed improvs the captain america story 
becomes a, more of a an easier thing to swallow because of how ridiculous it is, yep. and it's. I mean, there's. I guess there's still awaiting execution, but it's it's a little bit more um, uh, action adventure than like uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, yeah. That would be a, that would have been a great improvement to an already great story, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. If halfway through, uh, Gary Oldman is like, actually, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is a genetically altered super soldier from the USSR. <laughs> it, uh, that's uh, waiting for our Voyager coverage if that happens. Um, yeah, I I I think I'd like it as a comedy. Um, mm-hmm. Enterprise doesn't seem to want to do that really. Like I think that the the modern shows are uh, almost like very wary of TOS's camp aspect. Like I think TOS's camp mm-hmm. thing had kind of sunk in to this point. And I think that the, the productions of these new shows just don't want to touch that kind of stuff. They're not really um, interested in it. And they think that it has to be more serious than that, which is what leads you to episodes like this where it's treated deathly serious. I just, I, I'm surprised that they don't, push things a little bit more because I, I can see a modern discovery or strange new worlds episode. I don't know if we're going to do this constantly where leaving the communicator behind is a commentary on social media or something. This alien culture sure. finds the communicator sure. and does something with it. And it's just like, Oh shit. Like it, it you almost yeah. the enterprise crew by going down to do it, by going down to rescue the communicator, see a change in this society that they see in themselves, but they never thought it's kind of a flaw that kind of thing, like right. the social dilemma right. is pointing out. And that would be mm-hmm. interesting, but they're just... Enterprise doesn't try to say anything about its stuff. It's it's, And for how many of the episodes are based on let's reference a previous Star Trek idea, they don't spin it in a, in a new way. They don't do anything to it. And it, it ends up... All the episodes are like, this is a two out of five because it's not, yeah. it's not, worth, it's not worth the time that you'd spend to watch it, really. Well, it's weird. It's... Um you know, we we talk about lower decks being the the most classic Star Trek of the new Star Trek shows because the structure is very much like a TNG episode. This actually, I feel like, is Enterprise is very reminiscent of the way they would do a show like this in the sixties. It is, yeah, be, because it has all the same kind of elements. Where it's plot, you know, plot beat, this feels very much like you could be describing a TOS plot. If you just laid out like yeah. what happens in it, that sounds very much like a TOS thing. Yeah, and it's it sounds like a less the, the Enterprise in the '60s would be like a show that it was like the GoBots to Star Trek's Transformers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like <laughs> it's doing the same stuff and it's got the same structure. Where it's like, oh, the guys in the opening credits go down to a planet and they, they but we don't have the money for Klingons, so we're just mil- military white guys with bumps on our heads. And then you know they kind of do some hijinks and then they get into a fist fight and then then it's over. Like though, it feels very kind of old in that sense yeah. like it's it's it is very much of of more of the 60s era than the than the 90s track um but not satirical but what, or right interesting but what they're missing uh, yeah what they're missing is is the interesting plot stuff and interesting style stuff where it's like imagine imagine uh it's like it's like tos if everything if they never changed anything from the way it looked in the cage where everything was just like different degrees of yellow ochre mm-hmm. instead of uh, red yellow and blue um yeah it's just a it's just a drab looking show that's just always builds up to a 
gratuitous ass kicking <laughs> to throw it back to the prisoner. Did um, did you? Yeah, I I was really surprised Archer didn't get shot escaping because they, they, uh, yeah. they play that up like Everything he gets, he gets shot that. in the ass when he's getting in and then it's that scene where yeah. they're all together and he's like he's patting himself down and reads like something wrong captain I, I would have bet my life that archer had been shot at that point and that was like the risk that he was taking but they play it off as a joke about the communicator uh thing or or you do the thing where he gets shot and they end up in the communicate back in the ship and then he reaches into his pocket <laughs> and den- pulls out the communicator and it's got a <laughs> bullet in it you know can't leave home without this thing. I was very surprised by that. Um, yeah, no, every everything about the way they were shooting that scene screamed, "Someone is getting shot." Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit clumsy. Archer, Archer's like big ass can't get into. <laughs> he has a little bit of trouble like climbing into the uh, the escape. You pod. want to talk about clumsy? Is oh my god, like the. They, they they get they get all caught up in this gunfight that they're having inside this barracks which once again is staffed by like eight to 12 guys max yep. and then they're in the middle of that and then arch is like shit i gotta go get all that stuff that we left behind <laughs> now it's like 12 <laughs> things instead of one things and so he like shambles his way through the gunfight and like runs into this <laughs> office this office and he's like trying to very much like golden eye 64 to... you kick the door open and it's just the two guys standing yeah there. just immediately you know, you get your two phantoms and you immediately <laughs> take out those two guys. And, but then he's like, he's like trying to carry all the stuff like he needs a bag for it because all those props are really like uh, difficult to carry yeah. more than one at a time. Yeah. So he's like using his shirt as a basket to kind of carry everything. It's just so awkward and weird. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, I don't have I don't have much else to say about this one. I don't think I. um I don't know. Do you have anything like I? I find this one very samey. It, it's really just it's mm. you know it's functional in a way that maybe the past three episodes haven't been, where I can I can sort of understand everything that's going on here. But um, it just what was up with the like the whole thing? With, I'm sorry, the whole thing with the invisibility, the cloak thing, didn't even like play it. Like they got the cloak to work totally fine, and then it kind of gl- glitched out for like 25 seconds, and then it was back and it was fine. Like I don't even know what the point of doing that stuff was other than... Right, there's nothing gained by know. the ship being invisible. Because it was getting yeah. shot by the fighter jets. It can just fly down, land there. They can all hop into yeah. it and then fly away from it. Yeah. And I, T'Pol, the T'Pol's going on this mission. I, why is T'Pol not like every single thing we do here is bad? <laughs> this is just making things worse. Every time we do, every every movement we take is just, you know, it's like trying to repair a sandcastle that's already falling down. You're just making it worse. She's, yeah, just her running commentary during the, uh, the gunfight is just like, you made it worse. It's worse now. Yep. Every, oh, you shot yep. that guy. It's much worse now. Yeah, I, and the other, just the other surprising thing about the episode is that um, they, well, how do you like, how do you like the ending? Because there's two ways you can go about here. They can. They can lie and successfully cover up to this alien planet that they are extraterrestrial for them, right? So they could mm-hmm. they could so doubt in this alien where the alien uh, commander thinks that they're aliens, but then by the end of the episode is I guess I was wrong or something like that. Like, and this is just a normal turn of events. They don't do that here. They they leave the planet, and I think one of the problems with the one of the major problems here is that like you're saying halfway through this doesn't happen, and then you see the end results. They just they fuck off from this planet after probably doing some fairly catastrophic escalation between the Alliance and yeah. this group. Like there's now this group is operating under these guys have super weapons. We better nuke their asses before something goes crazy here. Right. Right. And we're, 
because Enterprise is serialized, we're never going to know what happened to this planet. And Archer is mm-hmm. just kind of... Archer causes a 40-car pileup on the highway and walks away from his car and gets on a taxi and just drives off. And it's like, well, geez, that was a hell of a thing that happened back there. It's it's really unsatisfying, I think, to have it that way. I, w- I need to see what happens or I need to have the planet not be altered in this way. I think particularly in this episode, I think that it's one of those two options. I don't know which one you would prefer. Um, well, I was I was just thinking, like, they get to a point where... I feel like T'Pol needs to be like, you know, the only way out of this is if we kill everybody and make it look like a mass suicide, right? Because <laughs> there's no, there's nothing else we can do. Because, yes, you've just escalated the war between these two people. So unless we take out all of the witnesses, this is just going to be so much worse than what we got here. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would have liked to have seen... Sorry, what were the two options again? It's either Archer has impact and we see the impact, so the planet nukes each other Mm -hmm. or something at the end of the episode, or he successfully tricks them into... He successfully disguises that they've interfered at all, so it's as if nothing ever happened, but they do a better job of covering up that they've been there. Well, I think that those are two very different episodes. I think the second one feels more like everything is played a little bit lighter Um, because... To successfully uh, cover your ass in this situation feels like it has it's a little bit more um, suited for a comedy, yep. whereas getting back to Enterprise and then watching a nuclear strike happen uh, or and the destruction of a civilization a little bit darker. Um, I think neither. I think that the communicator is built for that nuclear option, but you don't yeah. see it. The show the show is hesitant <clears throat> to do that and. And now I'm getting to a well, point yeah, where it's too redundant. Is like because Archer, yeah. Archer would have so many episodes where civilization has just wiped itself out because he entered their right. realm of existence. Well, that's the thing is they've done this so many times, and the takeaway is always who knows what kind of damage we may have done. It's like okay, you did a lot of damage. Let's see how about you for once find out what kind of damage you did, and maybe it'll stick this time. Yeah. Well, I think that's why the TOS episode is sort of a, a better setup because you walk into the effect of it. You know, like mm-hmm. you, you've walked... Right, right. The, yeah. the thing that the inciting sure. incident happens before they get there and they see the effect of it and they go, uh, there's no real moral philosophy about that in the TOS episode. It's just kind of a comedy joke thing. But here, there could be if the Vulcans had interacted with this group before. We've learned in previous episodes, the Vulcans seem to have no problem interacting with other alien species at this point. So... If they do it, the Enterprise stumbles into it. Paul has a learning experience about like, oh, we need to live up to our thing. Archer gets a learning experience of, oh, this is what interference can do. This is like why guiding people like the Vulcans, guiding other societies maybe isn't necessarily the best thing. I don't know. Something. It's yeah. You don't get that. Yeah. You know, I, I my problem with the Prime Directive and the, these ideas is that there's this, they operate under the belief that exposing themselves to a pre-warp culture is going to be so uh detrimental and it's going to really skew uh the evolution of of the the society and whatnot but that doesn't take into account the the real real life idea of like alien abduction right because it's like i because i i kind of side with archer it when he when he's kind of musing in the in the jail where he's like what if we just told him the truth and took him up to the Enterprise and showed him around and had dinner in the captain's quarters and then dropped him off? It's like, yeah, if you did that, the cat, the guy you did it with would probably come back being like, guys, I just went to a spaceship yeah. 
and the captain let me sit in his chair and we had we had chef uh, made us a meal individual meals yeah the chef made us an individual meals <laughs> oddly lacking in gravy where they should have been gravy and it was it was amazing they've got you know busty women with pointy you wouldn't believe the women on the ship yep. they're unbelievable and then then they immediately go okay sure um we don't think the captain is fit for command so we're gonna have a quick mutiny real quick yeah you know like, like i think you could they, they could very feasibly have stamped out this problem by just telling them the truth and and doing that exact thing because one person spouting all of this stuff is not going to change an entire civilization most likely that person is going to be thought of as a kook or like okay the captain yeah. Or the general, the generals under a, a little bit of stress. Maybe we give him some time off. You know. Yeah, I I think that and because sorry, just one, one last thing. Because every time that they do this, oh, if we if they see what's going on, it's going to drastically change their their evolution. They they're always operating. It always feels like they're operating under the idea that the civilization that they're dealing with is like dumb or yes primitive. And it works for super works. primitive. I think it works for unbelievably primitive societies that would be like, this yeah. is a god thing that's come down. But Like in Into Darkness, the beginning of Into Darkness, yeah. I think that works perfectly, yeah. yeah. But yeah, when it's, when it's a, when it's a uh, civilization of people who, are, who seem to be... They probably have fairly, alien TV shows. They probably have TV shows right. about aliens coming down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then it becomes a thing of like, okay, sure, I get the idea that if you step in like if you see this this war going on and the enterprise like flies down and decides to defuse the situation sure yeah then you then you are doing something that you shouldn't be doing but as far as like telling one person that you're an alien or yeah. something I, or or the communicator it's like yeah is this how big of a deal really is this these are not idiots it's it's really the problem that the the discovery of warp drive is a fairly bad marker to go by it, sh it should probably be something yeah. more along the lines of has this society gone through a scientific revolution or an enlightenment period mm -hmm. where they're not sort of shackled to like the pre-galileo times in humanity right, like they're right. they're at least open to what's going on outside of it because i like if maybe I just don't have an imagination, but if like if aliens visited us and mm -hmm. it was documented, what's this? Whoa, what's this? If right, shit, yeah. Wes. Well, if they had something beyond just Navy videos of UFOs flying around and, and doing stuff, mm -hmm. if they came down and they're like, "Hi, we're aliens. Like, welcome. You're not alone in the universe." Would we be irreparably damaged through that? Like, I I think that. As a caveman, if you saw an alien come down and you're like, "Oh, like this is the creator of the universe," that's a problem for you. But if it just if it came down like us or the aliens in this episode, I feel like people would be like, "This is unbelievable." But if anything, yeah. I almost feel the alliance. They'd be like, "We can't have a war with each other." There's so much hope of like what's possible. Like if we survive this and we become right. these people, and it, it seems more hopeful than anything. Maybe I'm wrong about that. What? One of my favorite details that didn't make it into the movie Prometheus, or maybe it does. I don't. I don't think it's in the movie. Is that when they talk about these uh, engineers, these uh, aliens coming to Earth? Um, there was there was the idea that one of them had come back to Earth to 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 talk about the enlightenment of of the engineers people and and the um, uh, potential of the human race. Yeah. 
and that was about 2,000 years ago, and they ended up crucifying him. Okay. So, like, you know, the, the idea that Jesus was one of these guys, and nobody, it didn't take, and they, they murdered him. Yep. Um, but, like, I, yeah, I actually think, I actually think the warp drive thing is a false marker because wouldn't it be better if the aliens showed up after the civilization figures out ast- astronomy? Because like if 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 you're like like you're saying if you are a if you're a pre-Galileo civilization that has no concept of of your planet in in the universe or in the solar yeah, system relative or to every where where you are in the yeah. universe yeah yeah a, an alien showing up is gonna blow your fucking mind right. but if you if you have div, if you understand the concept that oh wait there are many we are just one of many planets in this larger system yep. then I feel like if the aliens show up then they're like hey man. Welcome to the party. You just figured it out. Yeah. There's so much stuff you can do. We hope we hope to see you again once you get your cars working. You know, once you get your ships working, it'll be great. We'll go out and we'll go visit Pluto or something. Yeah. But like it that way it makes it more um aspirational almost. Yep. Whereas if you wait till they get the warp function, it's like on Earth they just finished three world wars. Right. It's not like it's not like it's not like developing a faster engine all of a sudden means we're a more enlightened people or something. Uh, yeah, I think that I think Star Trek takes that as that is what happened. Like once you develop that you just everyone gets along and sings Kumbaya at that point. Yeah, because every time there's a new energy source that's created, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. If anything if anything there would be a fourth world war over the technology for warp speed. Yeah, I, I think it's a more realistic interpretation just because at that point introducing yourself is not the be-all, end-all threat. Like, you can still have a philosophy where I'm not going to give you guys any technology because you have you have to earn it yourself. Like, you do the you yeah. do the work. I'm not just going to give you a replicator or give you a warp drive. But the, the fear of just them knowing that you're not from their planet would evaporate, and that fixes a lot of Star Trek plots in some ways. Like, they in this one, they'd still have to go down for the communicator, but there's no real danger in telling these people that they're aliens. They just they can't let them have this technology. Right, right, yeah. It's uh, it's strange. Let's um take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and we'll give our final thoughts and read some patron thoughts about the communicator. Was there something else? You took a risk coming down on that cell ship. This cloaking device could have failed. A calculated risk. I'm glad you did it. What's important is that we got everything back. The communicator, the phase pistol, the shuttle pod. We could have done a lot of damage to those people if we left any of it behind. We did do damage to those people. We've changed their perception of the Alliance. They now believe their enemy is capable of creating genetically enhanced soldiers, not to mention particle weapons. And thanks to that Suleiman ship, They also think the Alliance has developed invisible aircraft. You don't have to leave technology behind to contaminate a culture. All right. Thank you very much for supporting the show, and thank you for listening. If you want to support the show additionally, besides listening, you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff, like extra podcasts, extra uh, behind-the-scenes things. There's the poll access. There's the commentary videos. We just did Liquid Sky, which was the last sci-fi movie we did from 82. I did. We did a rewatch of Relics. We did a rewatch of Measure of a Man, blah, 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 all that stuff. We have not watched The Relic. No. The horror movie from the mid-'90s featuring Tom Sizemore, which... 
It's, I can't remember if it was any good. But isn't the one? Isn't the relic also the one that's um, the group of kids uh, like find that pyramid in Central America that's got man-eating plants on it? Isn't that called? Oh yeah, I think there might be one called. Yeah, I'm thinking of the one where it's a monster that lives in a museum hmm. that comes to life. I remember it being pretty good, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. A lot of, I imagine a lot of material called The Relic. Uh, but you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske Valley if you're so inclined. And as always, our special thank you goes to Captain Tier. Special thank you goes to Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergi, Bradley Killens, Matt Ross, Rune Vendler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Sherlock, Ben Grim Santo, Point Extra G, Dwayne Hackett, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Russell Elledge, Kevin Rice, Walter Teen Hero, Stephen Minton, Nick the Rat, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Curry 6, Jacob123, Mike Harris, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Santuan, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, and Timothy Cooley. Thank you very much for supporting the show. And now, patron thoughts. Patrons leave their thoughts about the episodes, and we read before them. we get into that. Mm-hmm. When do you think would be the would have been the best time for aliens to expose themselves on Earth? Uh, best time is in like for us, or the most yeah. outcomes are possible out of it happening. Yeah, like if if you had to pick if you had to pick a time for first contact with the with the Earthlings, because it's like are you are you like playing the stock market at that point where it's like well is this the right time it's like well i don't know maybe we should wait a few more years holocaust no not not now maybe we should wait a few more years what communism no this is wait a little bit longer probably would economics probably would have probably would have been, probably <laughs> would have been late 90s i think um yeah, right before the Clinton scandal comes out yeah. is probably the best time to do it. <laughs> probably, like, right before 9-11, really, is like, that, yeah, that, feels, that yeah. feels like the end of an era there where things seemed like they were going pretty well and we probably could have handled aliens at that point. Yeah, well, they they referred to the 90s as the end of history, didn't they? Yeah, the, the, uh, because, the fall uh, of communism uh, is the end of history. Oh, is that what it was, mm-hmm. the fall of communism? Yeah, this quaint, this quaint notion that everything was going to be fine forever i that guess we, I yeah know. that we've just dis- we've discovered the um capitalism won communism lost yeah that, that's the, yeah. the the way that's going to be but then we we branched out into wonderful versions of terror that have built up around that so yes good for us yes but that probably would have been the best time we probably would have because now if they come down half the population is not going to admit that it happened and the other <laughs> the other right. half is going to say yeah. it definitely well did and happen. we've also we've also uh we've also determined that the long-held belief by things such as Watchmen and Independence Day, that all it takes is one uniting global catastrophe to bring everybody together. Yeah. Clearly not the case. Yeah. I'd like to see those movies now, actually, if you take that idea and just it doesn't work out for everybody. But thank you, patrons, for supporting the show. Here's some patron <laughs> thoughts about it. Just like it seems like every episode is about uh, not working out from these guys. Thomas Darnell says the communicator a nod to TOS is a piece of the action and an episode that really feels like a TOS homage. It's not all hard, not at all hard to see Kirk and Spock in the script. I do like the feel of it a lot. I feel like actually many episodes are referenced from TOS, but it's not a great episode. How is this difficult? How is it this difficult to get their communicator back? Can't they beam it back or beam it into the vapor? Even leaving with the leaving it with the locals would have done less damage than their attempt to get it back. It's a low three. Do they need? Why do they need to go down there? and search on their hands and knees for it. Why like, can't they like pick it up on their sensors or some shit? Sensors seem really like from the enterprise. Really wishy-washy in this era, which yeah. is maybe a technical technological thing that I could get behind, but they it always just seems wishy-washy just because the plot demands it like that one where to uh, the last episode uh, where to Paul's hunting down Bruce Davison 
when they get mm-hmm. the bar, she's like, he's somewhere within the 50 square meters. It's like there's no way for them to pinpoint where he is. He's just he's in this bar somewhere. It's, it's strange. You know, it's been so long since I've seen him. I don't even know if I'd recognize him if I saw him at this point. There he is under the table. <laughs> I think a, a, Bruce, a Bruce Davison parody account liked our tweets that mentioned his name. I too. saw that. <laughs> <laughs> It was all Japanese, so I assume it's not really Bruce Davison. Mm-hmm. Matt Ross says, Reed, hold on to your stuff, you putz. I guess this is like piece of the action, but with a darker and more boring color palette. There had to be a way to beam the device away. And the Suluban ship sure got roomy. Good thing they got to keep it since Shockwave and not give it to Starfleet to research. Again, apparently it's from Broken Bow. I'll, I'll, be, Idiot. I'll be willing to be corrected about this, but I also thought it was Shockwave. Why even bother coming to this planet if they're pre-warp? To me, this was also draggy, but at least Archer got his ass kicked. It's um, it's a good question as to why they're going down at all in this situation to this planet. Um, mm-hmm. You think they'd have, especially since they have this cloaked ship, you think they would bring that down and hover around invisible in the sky and sort of take pictures of them and stuff like that? But no. Vault- I, know, I know. I love that this is the first. I mean, I guess Trip has been working on it in his free time or whatever, but I love that this is the first time that they were like, wait, we have a ship with a cloaking device. That has to be useful in some way, yeah. isn't it? I don't know. Not really. Real TIE fighter design. Very small interior. Mm. Uh, a lot of people sitting on each other's laps and you have to fit five people in there. Vault 13 Hero says, Starfleet should really learn from this instance that they shouldn't go to the surface to observe pre-warp societies because either someone leaves technology behind or someone gets injured or kidnapped. But no, they don't learn their lesson and continue making the same mistake in pretty much every series chronologically after Enterprise. However, it's not a bad episode, so three alien face makeup kits out of five. Point Extra G says, another example of Archer not being very good at his job. If you don't want to tell them you're not from their planet, if you don't want to tell them you're not from their planet, that's fine. But how can making up crap that escalates a Cold War into a World War be preferable? Just stay quiet and don't say anything, and that'd be the better than what they did. And a better episode would put Trip's invisible hand to good use. That would be that would be a great Star Trek episode if they came to this uh, came to this planet that was under constant constant destruction and and ruled by like an iron-fisted uh a, a dictator or something and then it turns out the dictator is like an ensign from start from one of the the starships who's like guys it just got, got really out, of out of hand i don't want any of this i just kept lying on top of lies on top of lies if i just told him i was an alien none of this would have happened <laughs> feels so good to just tell the truth <laughs> feels, yeah <laughs> it was great to get this off my chest benjamin espinoza says the communicator this is a solid enterprise episode capital e on the episode they took the premise of what enterprise should be about and the screw-ups and mistakes made by first warp capable ship called enterprise but like enterprise they pulled back when they should have shown us why the prime directive is needed i want to see what the results of violating it are archer and reed were willing to go down with the ship for a directive that hasn't even been established yet three popcorn jokes out of five popcorn jokes Cal Bear says it. Oh, right. The invisible hand mm, groping. Yes. Communicator's TOS is piece of the action without the charm, comedy, color, coolness, and charismatic characters. It's a neat idea that's perfect Ooh. for Enterprise to explore, but they don't push it far enough. Other than the one great scene between Reed and Archer, the big thematic questions are pushed to the background, and the episode spends far too long in the most basic and uninteresting parts of the plot. I also wish that they doubled down on the ending and showed the crew's actions kickstarted a war between the two factions rather than just lamely hint at it. Five time-wasting invisible hand subplots out of ten. Yeah. Um, I do like the scene between Reed and Archer. It it is, Mm. like, what percentage of this series is built around people getting beat up 
for information. Like Arch- Archer it. does it a whole bunch of times, just sitting in a chair getting slapped around. Also, the uh, I did, I did really like when they, the general like gives the nod over to his his commander or whatever, lieutenant. and then he walks over very intimidatingly and then gives him like the lightest backhanded <laughs> slap I've ever seen, and then he's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> I like the first one where. He does that. He's like, oh, you're not going to tell me, honey. Huh? Winks to the guy, and the lieutenant walks. But the lieutenant does a little bit of a fake out. He doesn't walk at Archie. He walks like he's going to go past him. They just backhands on the side. Yeah. Just, just want to yeah. keep him on his toes. Is the backhanded slap like a a movie and television creation? I can't imagine why that why you're you would do getting, it in the first place. Yeah, but. like why would you do that if you give him like a you know what did the five fingers say to the face? You know, right across the. The cheek, I, on, yeah. I honestly think it's a gender thing in TV. I think if you slap a guy mm. with the front hand, you're basically a woman just slapping him, and you know, like oh, interesting. Like, I think that they, I think that they see it as a more masculine version of a slap, but it's not a punch. It's not a full on punch. The back, the backhand is a more masculine. Version? The backhand is more masculine than slap. Like if I were to slap someone with the 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 front hand, like Charlie Murphy uh, with with Prince or whatever, yeah, that feels more effeminate. I think in TV than a tough guy general coming up and giving you a backhand feels like it's more masculine or something. Okay, I, masculine in that it's it's. I think it's masculine because it's less effective. Okay, because it seems more demi- dismissive. You know it's, what I it's mean? Insulting. It's insulting. Like it's, it's supposed like, to be more insulting. Yeah, it's insulting. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not there to do damage. It's there to do like it's to emasculate you yeah. or something. Yeah. Um. So in this case. I don't think it was the best choice because clearly, <laughs> clearly that guy's technique was not great. You got to take the and wedding also, ring off before you start backhanding people. Otherwise, you're going to yeah, hit their teeth yeah. with your ring and stuff like that. Horrible noise. Uh, thank you, Kyle. Next is Latte Librarian says, an overall boring episode where Reed makes a mistake he should definitely be fired for, but isn't because, quote, everyone makes mistakes. Hard to get excited about the plot when you know the Enterprise will make it out all right in the end. Once again, T'Pol has more to say has to say the moral of the story out loud so Archer can connect the dots. Two invisible hands out of five. Uh, communicator, is this? No, it's two more. Neil Brennan says, credit where it's due. This is a great idea for an episode. A pity then that it's as generic an execution as you'd expect from Enterprise. For example, how long did it take for them to think up the name The Alliance? It's all action nonsense here as soon as the first bar table was flipped. What a pity. This could have been a cool little character episode about mistakes and consequences. One middle-aged white man out of five that are always on screen at any one time in this episode. <laughs> Woodrow says the communicator really bothers me that they never name the aliens or the planet. The show had me laughing when I found out that it if if caught plan A was the the plan A was to attack government agents with hand to hand combat in the hopes of punching them all out, even though they brought phasers. Not sure Archer investigate instigating an arms race against the alliance's iron infused super soldiers is redeemed because he was willing to die for a lie worse than the truth. Archer never convinces anyone but Reed that this is a situation worth dying for. It's a low one out of five. A fairly split reaction to this one, actually. A lot of ones and a lot of threes. Um, mm. But ne- neither one of those options is particularly good. For, for the, the rating, the, the rating yeah. outcome? What are you going to give this one? I'm curious. I, I had a hard time. Um, I thought about this one, what I'm going to give this one. Sometimes episodes come along where I really think about what I'm supposed to give the score for, and uh, this is yeah. one of them. I think I'm, I think I'm going to go a low, too. Uh because like they, I, if they hadn't had the scene with T'Pol at the end, it would have been a one. Um, but the fact that they tried to save it, at least conceptually, 
does it a little bit better, knocks it up a, a, a bit for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not like, I, this is not their best work. I was actually battling between a three and a two. It's somewhere mm. in there for me. I think I'm going to give it a two uh, just because it's it's really redundant at this point. Um, but I didn't think it was as flawed as some of the previous episodes have been. Um, it's just it's just boring, really. That that's like its main its main issue. Uh, so I'll give it a two. I'll give it a, I'll give it a middling two score, and Clay will give it a two as well. At least we broke the streak of ones, which was the, the last three episodes yeah, were ones, which has never happened on the podcast before. <laughs> I don't know if I've said that on a podcast episode, but we've never had a streak of three consecutive ones except for uh, this past Enterprise stretch. We had three ones in four episodes on DS9 was the next closest, mm. but not three in well, a Well, breaking barriers every week on the show. I know. I know. But I'm glad you- it didn't continue, though. Do you think Archer could have gaslighted his way out of this situation? Like after they, you know, once he starts bleeding and they do that like x-ray, do you think he could have been like, your blood, it's red? And he'd be like, what? No, it's not. Like, No, it is. We could see it. Like, I don't No, You're crazy. Yeah. Your internal organs are all in the wrong place. I don't know what kind of sensors you guys are using, but my internal organs are totally fine. Sounds like your doctor needs, you know, maybe you should, you know, could, could no you, one's healthier than is, it, is it? Yeah, is it ridiculous enough that he could just talk his way out of it that way? Just be like, ah, everything you're saying is not true. I think you could. You could play it up as yeah. this is such an insane situation that no one's going to believe this. And I think that's yeah. the, that's the approach of telling them the truth actually takes that kind of a, a turn. And I think he he could have done that. Um, like like he could be like, listen, let's say for a second that you're that what you're what you're perceiving is correct. Your options here are two things: either one. It's not correct, and there's something wrong with your sensors. Or two, <laughs> aliens exist, and they're right. on your planet trying to infiltrate your shit. Yep. Which one of those would make you sleep better at night? And it's like, oh yeah, we'll just maybe we need to check the sensors on our on our X-ray machine. Do another diagnostic. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. Thank you for supporting the show. You can go to patreon.com/slash the Penske if you want to support the show. And we are done. That is it, Clay. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, we just had a bat. Badass came out last week, which was uh, a couple good episodes. Well, one one good episode, one terrible episode with a terrible trio and Harlequinade. And uh, this week we have John Carpenter's The Thing on the Rotten Horror Picture Show, which will be very fun. We have a special guest on with us to talk about that one. And uh, we're still trying to hit our Patreon goal so we could bring you guys some monthly horror franchise coverage. So if you want to check that out at patreon.com slash Penske file, that'd be much appreciated. Yeah. We're in striking distance, I think. I don't know. I don't know uh, if and when we're going to get it, but I think we can. Yeah. The, uh, just for an update, I, I initiated annual memberships for people. So if you sign up for a year. Annual memberships, annual memberships initiated. You, uh, you get two months free, which is good for some people. Um, incentivizes Not you. me. Because nope. I got bills to nope. pay. God, month no, by month. Um so there's that. If Wes has two kids and you're taking two months free? I know. It's disgusting. What the hell's wrong with you people? So that, that's an incentive to sign up for that for the long term. Uh, there was something else about Patreon. Oh, we're doing the Halloween, two, the two the Star Trek episode and mm-hmm. the Halloween movie. So that's only going to be available for patrons who are patrons like right before uh, Halloween. I'll put a date out there. But it'll be one of those special offers that goes away after that. So if you want the horror movie and the horror Star Trek episode that we're going to be covering, you can sign up to be a the $5 tier by 
right before Halloween, and then you'll get those two. And episodes. that's going to be hopefully it's going to be all three of us, you, me, and Amanda. Yeah, Amanda, be Amanda should be in that one too. A Star Trek episode, and then uh, also a. Did we decide what movie, or are we putting them? It's still on a poll. It's the platform, underwater, and the silence are the three options. They're all modern horror sci-fi movies, and then Mm. the TNG or the Star Trek episodes are the Empath, Genesis, and Empok Nor. So you can vote on those Mm. on the Patreon as well. That'll be over. All right, cool. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. We will see you later. (laughs) 